It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. At this point, we know who the top three guys are probably going to be between Chet Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and Paolo Bancaro. I'll let you figure out what meaning I have behind that order a little bit later. But how do we decide between these three? That's why we're bringing on a special guest, Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Big Board to the show. Thank you for making Locked On Magic your first listen every day. Let's dive into it. You are Locked On Magic. Your daily Orlando Magic Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed locked on magic. Today is May 26, 2022. My name is Philip Rossreich. I'm the site expert and editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Today, we are joined once again by Richard Stamen of Locked On NBA Draft. Richard, it's good to have you back on the show. Happier tidings, perhaps, than last time we talked to you in March when we were all worried about the lottery thing. Piece of cake, right? That's, that's how it's done. <laughs> Hey, you couldn't have scripted it any better. All those uh, all those Robin Lopez post-ups and Mo Wagner threes, they were all worth it. Exactly. As, as, as our friends at the Six Man Podcast said, uh, when, I, when I brought up the tanking issue uh, on draft lottery night, um, the Magic won the exact number of games they, they had to. They, they did exactly what they needed to do. So no complaints. But, but obviously now, you know, we've got three, four weeks to go to the NBA draft. There's a lot to, There's a lot that's going to happen kind of behind the scenes that we won't see. But um, now that the Magic actually have this decision with the number one pick, it, it honestly, it changes a lot of things. Um, you know, I've done a lot of the mock drafts with the Locked On Podcast Network as well as elsewhere. I pick one player. That seems to change now every day now that you're actually sitting in the chair with, with the actual decision to make the pick. Um, before we dive into the individual players, and obviously we'll talk mostly about Jabari Smith Jr., uh, Paolo Bancaro, and, and Chet Holmgren. What kind? What what position are the Magic in with this first overall pick? What kind of player are they going to bring in, and, and what kind of impact will this have uh, from what you what you know about these prospects? No matter who they pick, 
on the franchise moving forward. Yeah, the Magic are in such an interesting position. The one thing I know that they will not do, you know, there's a consensus top four that includes those three names you listed plus Jaden Ivey. Jaden Ivey's not being picked by the Magic. It's a consequence of not, I guess, of uh, taking guards like every year for the last century, it feels like. And this is uh, this is just kind of the consequence. You know, it's a good year not to need a guard. It's not a guard-heavy draft. There's really one guard in the top 10, I would say. And... Um, and now I'm actually second guessing saying that, but regardless, you know, looking at the leverage the Magic now have in drafting, no matter who it is, like I think it's going to be Paolo Chet or Jabari Smith, any of those automatically makes somebody else expendable. And that is incredibly valuable when you look at a team full of redundant roster just spots. Yeah, and, and, and I think, and I think you know, the Magic are in, technically this will be the second second full year of a rebuild. You know, I don't think they necessarily have to kind of resolve a lot of those roster questions immediately. They can kind of see how it all plays out and figure it out a little bit. But um, I've been cluing people in that that change is coming regardless. Um, you're not going to be able to keep everyone. You're certainly not going to be able to pay everyone. Uh, and you do want to take steps forward. Um, again, we'll, we'll dive into some of the, the prospects immediately. But, you know, this is not considered a generational draft. You know, this isn't, this isn't last year's draft. You know, we were talking a little bit off air. This isn't next year's draft. This isn't the Shaq draft. You know, there's some people trying to compare this a little bit to the decision the Magic had between Dwight Howard and Emeka Okafor. I don't think we're expecting to get a Dwight Howard in this draft. So what what kind of more immediately, what is the impact of the player? Can the Magic expect to get a centerpiece player for the franchise moving forward? Can they, get, can they expect an all-star? Can they expect a superstar player uh, from the three guys that we kind of assume that they're picking from? Yeah, you look at the the general outlook is it's very it's a very safe top three. You don't hear that a lot. There's a lot of risk factor with a lot of guys, and I think the only one who's given a lot of unnecessary flack is Chet Holmgren just because of how skinny he is. But there's skinny players that have been very good and actually stayed healthy and can handle physicality. I mean, not a, not a center, but just to kind of go off the physicality. De'Aaron Fox is one of the skinniest players in the league when he came in. Dude finishes through everything at contact, like finishes against guys way bigger than him. Not one-to-one at all, but, you know, skinny guys aren't always going to be injured or struggle in the NBA. It's not like a death wish. You look at just kind of one-by-one, Chet probably has the best chance to be generational. You look at, there's a simple query I've done, which is if you look at big men seven foot or taller that have averaged two assists per game in a year and two blocks per game a year, it is only borderline Hall of Famers. I think the worst player on there is Andrew Bogut. And if that's the worst on a list like that, that's ridiculous. Everybody else is like Kareem, Hakeem, Shaq, all these guys, and it's nuts. Paolo Boncaro, first scoring option, really not much he could do to bust. His worst case is just being middle of the road. And Jabari Smith is kind of the opposite. Not much he could do to be a superstar, but he's going to be an elite role player. Yeah, uh, and I, I tend to agree with that. I, I, I think, you know, I, I'm sure closer to draft time as we all kind of like start watching these guys and start reading a little bit more about these guys. There's going to be camps and there's going to be some internal battles, but I do think that if the magic are picking between those three, they're getting a good player. They're getting someone that's going to help them going to add to this young core, add to this young roster and kind of begin setting this team's direction. Um, you dove a little bit into Chet. So let's, let's start with him. Um, yeah, there's obviously the questions about his size, but when you look at this magic team, um, again, just kind of what they are now, because who knows what they'll be in the future. Is this team set up to help Chet be successful immediately? Because I, you know, I, 
I've kind of my my conspiracy theory out there is the magic played Mo Bamba and Wendell Carter together as sort of a proof of concept that Chet Chet and Carter could work together. Um, you know, again, I, I think there's certainly some flaws with that that lineup. Mo's probably part of the problem in ways that Chet wouldn't be. Um, but uh, I think Wendell Carter really succeeded in that role, and so I, I kind of think that the Magic are as well positioned as anyone to bring Chet in and help him find success pretty quickly. Dude, I I can't disagree with anything you said. I think it's almost perfectly said. You look at with Chet, he's a better. His worst case scenario is like a smarter Mo Bamba, which like and obviously Mo Bamba is a smart person off the court. Nothing to take away on there, but like on the court with decision making and just on the fly, knowing what to do left and right at, at the exact time, Chet is worlds ahead of Mo Bamba, and I think that's going to help him on both ends. And and yes, he does fit with Wendell Carter. He also fits in a lineup probably with Jonathan Isaac. I, I think that would be arguably the best. Even year one, that's up there for best defensive lineups at the rim. And, you know, on top of that, you can just, you can rotate throughout the whole list of guys that could fit with Chet Holmgren. Everybody fits with him because also the Magic need a center. That's their one position they probably truly need. Um, so you, you, don't, you don't think that, like, Wendell Carter can, can slide over to center? Like, I, like, I, I like, look, I think it's definitely a fair question. Was Wendell Carter successful because Mo Bamba was back there backing him up or was there? as a floor spacer, which certainly Chet can do. Um, should the Magic even be thinking like that? Should the Magic be thinking, like, how does this player fit with our roster? Is this the guy that we're going to be building our roster around? Yeah, I realize I didn't answer that part. I think Wendell can play center by himself, be the only big man on the floor. I think he might be even better just because of the mismatches that are created because of it, especially on the offensive end, with another big man personally. I think that's probably the better version, but he's still a very good player just by himself. Yeah, for sure. Um, just kind of build, building on, on Chet, Chet then, you know, I, I really like to focus in the draft process on what guys can do over what can't, what they can't do. Obviously, we know that the frame thing is an issue. Every player enters the league needing to enter an NBA strength training program. No one is ready physically for the NBA. That's, that's, that's the reality of life. Um, but where does, you know, you talk a little bit about the defense. Where does Chet really shine offensively? What, what makes him... What makes him, you know, besides, you know, is it just the physical tools and, and the skill set that make him seemingly the most kind of generational talent that, that this draft has? Yeah, I mean, it's just rare for seven-footers to be able to protect the rim, pass, shoot, and even create a little bit for themselves or just really create in any way offensively. I mean, you look at just simple passing outside of dribble handoffs. A lot of bigs just can't do that in the league. Even today in the most skilled era of basketball, big men really just can't do that consistently across the board Chet does almost everything at a high level so that's really what the appeal is is you're, you're getting and it's not even just like a jack of all trades he's a master of a lot did is is you know I think there's I don't think there's a reason to be gun shy about Jalen Suggs and his Gonzaga experience but what you know I, I think some of us come out of the Jalen Suggs rookie season where he was he was hyped up a lot you know both fairly and unfairly I think and I think Jalen Suggs will still be very very good um, but is there something that Gonzaga hit about Chet Holmgren that we should be concerned about? I mean, obviously Drew Timmy took kind of took on a lot of the the big man big man uh, guard, big man guards. You know, we I, I watched the game against Jalen Duran very closely in the NCAA tournament. Um, I thought Chet held his own, but obviously foul trouble was kind of the story in, in those tournament games. What did you know? Is there something that maybe we didn't see because Gonzaga is super talented and could hide him in, in some of the ways that maybe some of Jalen Suggs's flaws were hidden. Yeah, I don't think there was really a ton. The only thing it was probably the the foul trouble, and that stems from him just using his hands. 
on so much of what he does. Um, other than that, I really don't think there was a ton, which could mean they also hid something incredibly well that nothing's <laughs> popping out. So I don't know which way to look at it, but nothing in terms of like, you know, we saw it once and then we never saw it again. Okay. Um, what is, you know, before we move on to the next guy, what is something about Chet Holmgren that, that maybe you've seen in your evaluation that wouldn't pop off to someone that's just pulling up his YouTube highlights for the first time? What is, what is something hidden that's good about Chet Holmgren? Yeah, um, I think it's really just his ability to use both hands and use a variety of moves. He can spin left, he can spin right, finishes with both. He uses his length to finish at the rim. It's just really all the finishing ability. I think is really strong and you know he throws down some thunderous dunks too it's not like they're just passive like rim grazers i mean they are thunderous dunks off both hands and off a lot of dribble moves and he gets he navigates through traffic he knows how to use his body to his advantage offensively Let's take a quick break so I can tell you about the latest offering from our pals at Built Bar. We've been asking and Built has delivered. The Built Granola Bars are here. And if they're anything like their protein bars, it's going to be so much better than any granola bar that you ever had. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors. Chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. You can get all three in a mixed box right now at Built.com. There are so many different, they're so different from the bars and the puffs. Built granola bars are loaded with granola. It's a perfect combination of crunch and chewiness, but just like the bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch. Take on the road or eat as a snack. And they are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get the Built Granola Bars, three delicious flavors to try, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. Get yours today. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. We also want to thank you for making Locked On Magic once again your first listen every day. When you're done with us, go check out the Locked On NBA Big Board. Richard Stamen, our guest today, of course, uh, part of the Locked On Big Board team, Locked On NBA Big Board team. Make sure I get that that name right, which I did not earlier. Um, part of the Locked On NBA Big Board team. At this point, if you are not listening to the guys, Rafael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies, along with Richard, of course, Sam Ferris, and Leif Thulin. You are missing out on key draft information. This is a good. This is a, a, a an interesting draft for the Magic. Obviously, um, know this draft forwards and backwards. There are a lot of players that will slip through the cracks in this one, and the Magic will be active. We'll get to that a little bit later on in our conversation with Richard Stamen. Download it today. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. The guy who seems to be kind of the consensus, you know, I don't want to say consensus, but the, the betting favor to go number one is Jabari Smith. And, and you kind of described him as, as a, a role player, um, which, you know, I certainly think he can. I think he will be at bare minimum. I think among the three guys that we're kind of talking about here, to me, Jabari Smith has the highest floor because I, I know what he is if he doesn't hit, you know, whatever's made him the number a number one pick option. What do you see in Jabari Smith that gives you that kind of pause or concern to say, okay, I, I'm not sure that he's much more or not, not necessarily much more, but he's, he's not going to be kind of the star player or is, is everyone right to make him the betting favor to go number one at this point? I mean, I have him on my number one board. The NBA scouts I've talked to have them number one on their board, but that was also a little bit ago. And, you know, I, I think he's safer. He's the safest player. You look at a guy just kind of using, I mean, I'm wearing a Dallas shirt. So like, of course I had to reference this. You look at Maxi Kleba. He is 6'10". He is very good at defense. He's good at shooting. That man is one of the most valuable players for Dallas right now as they make a run in the Western Conference Finals. Imagine if you elevated that from good shooter to almost elite shooter and defense from very good to great while adding in a few, sprinkling in some other traits in there. That's a max player. So that's really what I think the appeal is with him is you get one a six ten three and D guy with other abilities is incredibly valuable. Yeah, uh, and and I've I've kind of taken to comparing him a lot to Rashard Lewis, which were a Magic blog, so that that definitely uh, plays to our favor. And look, Rashard Lewis was was an All Star um, both in Seattle and and in Orlando for for at least one year. Um, really valuable player. You know, made those made the O nine and ten Magic work in, in in a really significant way. Jumped the Magic from an eight seed to a division championship team. That's that is still a really good player, but but I've kind of in all the mock drafts that I've done, I've kind of leaned away from Jabari Smith because I don't see that upside of him being a guy who can create off the dribble. And you know, to your point, what makes Dallas work? What you know, you look at the four teams in the, in the conference finals remaining. What makes Dallas work is Luka Doncic can go out and score forty when you need him to score forty. He can hit a step back three that no defense can cover. You know, Jason Tatum has his pet moves, and it doesn't matter how many defenders you throw at him, he's gonna he's gonna score. Jimmy Butler, at least in the playoffs, is always the same way. And Steph Curry is Steph Curry. They're, 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 these are obviously kind of generational superstar players, but every team needs that. And, and to me, the Magic honestly need that kind of guy and that kind of score more than anything else, in my opinion. Can Jabari Smith get to that level? Because that's not what we saw at Auburn. Frustratingly so sometimes that he wasn't the one kind of getting the ball and being the, the main scorer for that team. Yeah, it's hard because, you know, he doesn't really get to the rim on that's that's the big thing for him. I think he can actually get to his spots a lot better than he's credited for. 
anywhere outside of the paint. Like you look at, he wants to get to the mid post. He's going to get there. Like, even if it's backing you down, it's not the prettiest style, but it didn't help that he had like Walker Kessler crowding the paint. And, you know, in the NBA, I think there's going to be a lot of lineups where he's the biggest guy on the floor and that's going to open up the space for him, especially against other small lineups. That's when he's going to do his damage. And he has shown flashes of handles. It's not like he doesn't know how to dribble or anything. It's just, it's not a strength. I don't see it as a glaring weakness. Yeah. And obviously we're all, we're talking about 18, 18 year olds here. So they're, they're obviously still got, uh, it, we're not drafting finished products. Uh, so, it, you know, in that sense, you know, obviously Chet is kind of a unique talent physically. I I mean, think Jabari is kind of a unique talent physically. Is, is the re what is the reason then that Jabari seems to be that number one guy? Is it just the combination of, of skills? Is it that, uh, is it the, the hope that he can kind of take that next step? You know, what What has him number one on your board? I've I've kind of flip-flopped him number one on my board for, for a while now, um, just based off the Magic's needs more than anything else, but um, or immediate needs at least. Um, what makes him the number one prospect but for from so many? Yeah, for me, it's uh, the, the selling point I've always given is a 6, 10, 3, and D guy is the best role player in the league. You draft the best role player in the league who, by the way, if you don't know who the title is, holder of that is it's probably clay thompson for the last almost 10 years now clay thompson is an all-star he does a little bit more than that but he doesn't do it you know 100 percent of the time it's only it's very minimal if you took a little bit away from his three-point shooting because i think clay is one of the absolute greatest shooters of all time and i'm not going to label jabari smith as like the next clay thompson fully like that but he steps into that role and can do a lot of the same things with not a significant drop off you're getting a taller version that almost negates the lack of production that you'd be missing from Clay. And to me, if you got the best role player, even just looking back at 2011's redraft that Clay is from, he's a top five player, and that's a draft with Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, that's 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 certainly true, and that's cer- certainly a, a, a safer a safer pick. Um, you know, just kind of thinking about the the, the Magic's draft strategy before we dive a little bit in, in, into Paolo Bancaro. Obviously, that the team just needs to needs talent. They need top end talent more than anything else. But you know, I, I kind of posited this on, on yes yesterday's episode of Locked On Magic. Really, what the team is looking for is not necessarily fit with the current roster, but fit in terms of what's winning in the NBA. Um, is how should the Magic kind of split the hairs on these on these three prospects? Like, how how do they you know if you're if you're magically transported to Jeff Weltman's body on draft night, how do you make these determinations between three really close players that offer three very different things to a roster that needs everything still, it feels like. Yeah. In that case, you know, I go with whoever number one on my board is and I don't worry about, uh, unless it's Shane Ivy, I really don't worry about fit. You look at whoever the like you, the worst place you want to be is mediocrity, right? For the last 10 years, the magic have topped out in mediocre when in 2019 and 20, that was pretty much their ceiling was an eight seed. And to avoid that, you have to swing because you're going to miss. Like there's just, no matter how you slice it, the closest I think we've seen is like the Cavs or the like of the last four drafts or something since 2018, they haven't missed on a pick. That's like the best run. Even then their picks haven't been like great. I put, I put Memphis the, in that category too. And that's how yes, Memphis really ex- rose. Exactly. Exactly. Like those are the teams that you, if you're going to do it, by drafting at the top, you have to be near perfect, and your one miss can really hurt. Sacramento's another; they've hit on. Orlando's a good example of that and, with Azonia and Bamba to some extent. Yep, they hit on Jonathan Isaac. Uh, they hit on Franz Wagner. You can go down the list, and 
ultimately you have to make the swing for best player. I think it's Chet is the best chance to be a generational player in that. If you have a generational player, you will never be mediocre. Yep, I, I, I think so. I think I agree with that. Obviously, the Magic have had a lot of success uh, when they've had the number one pick. Lining it up with generational players and guys that that took this, you know, took this franchise and organization to another level. Um, the guy that's kind of, I think, quickly being forgotten. I've had him number one on my board really since the NCAA tournament when when I became really convinced that he could be a number one scorer. And, and I feel like that's what the Magic need the most is, is Paolo Bancaro. Um, is there a reason why it feels like he's getting left behind a little bit, or, or what's what 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 is kind of keeping Paolo from being in these conversations with again maybe a, a safe guy like Jabari Smith and obviously a, a potentially generational talent in Chet Holmgren that has a lot of questions about him? Yeah, it's weird. Paolo started as the consensus number one guy. Uh, him and Chet were number one, and then Jabari kind of slid in, and I I still had Paolo until about February. <laughs> Just kind of a reference point here, Paolo had a really rough close to the season, pretty much from February on. I mean, he was shooting under 40%, and this is all until the end of, uh, before the conference tournament, so just the regular season from February to March. He was scoring 15 points a game on 39.6% with almost, he had two and a half turnovers to four assists. It wasn't, it was not number one stats. Then he turned it up in March when it mattered the most. We still saw some areas of improvement for him. I think with him in terms of skill set, we do see the the most quote unquote flaws, like glaring flaws, but even like compared to the rest of the class, they're not like significant flaws. And to me, I think that's what it really did it was his lack of defensive effort consistently. People really got turned off by that. I think a lot of his passing fundamentals, he can't make a post-entry pass. Can't, I mean, he just doesn't know when to pass at the right angles. Which is true, which is true. See, the post-entry thing doesn't bother me in terms of it being post-entry. It's like, okay, what other fundamentals are you hiding it's, that you it's, don't it's a, it's, a lack, it's a lack of attention to detail, and, and, and I agree with that. I, I, like, I, I remember, I, so like the big game that kind of flipped me on Paolo a little bit was the Arkansas game. And what stood, stood out to me in the Arkansas game, and I know I've told the story a million times, but what stood out to me in the Arkansas game is Arkansas made that game close, and it was like, it was like down to five, like middle of the second half, and Duke just like kind of went away from their offense, Gave the ball to Paolo on the low block and said, "Go get us a basket." He scored twice, and that game was over. It was just, it was just over at that point, and and, and that's what really sold me on Paolo. But by the same token, there were a lot. There were, I think it was either in that game or in the next game, where I was watching Paolo, and he made some really good defensive plays on one on one set of plays, and then the next he would just not be there. And so it, I agree. There's there's maybe that little bit of attention to detail um, of hey, you got to be lo- especially if you're going to be playing meaningful games you got to be locked in at all times, and you got to be locked in on both ends if you want to be, be, be everything you can be uh, in this league. And certainly that's where the interviews, you know, I, I know, a couple, I know uh, a couple people who have a lot of questions about him and his judgment after what happened at the beginning of the season with the DWI, um, which, you know, again, I think is, is a question that, every, that, you know, I'm sure is being investigated a lot by NBA investigators and, um, you know, by NBA personnel investigating his character. And I'm sure it's going to be something he's going to be asked about in every single interview about, okay, what do you, how did you handle that? You know, what did you learn from that, that whole situation? And I'm sure his, it, I'm sure his agent is preparing him for those questions as well. Yeah. And that's probably the best. I mean, you just nailed it on the head. I mean, the attention to detail, that's the exact thing. It's a microcosm of like the actual issue at hand. And the whole DW, I think I don't think it'll be held over his head because I think the the situation was really 
weird because I don't think he was the one driving. No, he wasn't the one driving, but, like, but, but he still helped, you know, yeah, but it's still, it's still, it's still something. It's still like, okay, it's, yeah. uh, uh, you know, you know, not that basketball decision-making is the same as outside basketball decision-making, but you know, you're still kind of going through the same process of like, what do I do in this situation? How do I, how do I assess, how, how do I handle this problem or what's the right way to handle this problem? And obviously a basketball decision is different than, you know, a decision with a DWI. There's a whole, there's a whole lot involved in that, it, you know, involved coach K's grandson. So there's maybe some protection of the family there, which, you know, again, you know, whatever. Um, but, but it, it, certainly, you know, I think back to, back to his time on the basketball court, um, you know, again, there are, there were definitely some decisions that he made and definitely some, some effort plays that, that you just, you, you can't question your number one pick that he wants it, that he wants to do what it takes to win. And again, Duke was still very good. Paolo Bancaro was a big reason why they won a lot of games, why they got to the final four, probably should have given the ball to him more to beat Carolina and get to the national championship game. Uh, but yeah, there are definitely, I think, I think all those questions about whether he wants it is, are, are, are perfectly fair to ask. Yeah, and that's something, it's not going to hurt them a ton in the regular season, whoever drafts him. But it's something, if you're a playoff team, say it's a 4-5, where, I mean, those are always the tightest, in theory, uh, series, where it's like, all right, it goes to game seven. Can you trust him in the on the last possession or one of the last possessions? And that's the kind of stuff, those are tiebreakers for the top players for me personally. It's like, anybody can be good in the regular season. And that's mostly, for the most part, what I'm looking at. Like, with a lot of centers that get played off in the regular, in the playoffs, not really worried about it. Mark Williams will 100% have that happen, for example. Not going to slide him significantly far down. When it comes to a tiebreaker, it absolutely matters, though. And and that's where the stuff, that's why Paolo, I think, doesn't go number one, is because can you trust him as your best player or a final shot taker in the playoffs? And I think while the other two, the answer is yes. I don't think the answer is actually yes for Paolo. Yeah, and and you know again, I I would even argue even further than that. It's it's not necessary. It's not necessarily trusting him to make the the decision at the end of the game. Honestly, I would trust. I would be fine trusting Powell at the end of the at, at the end of the game. My question is, in a playoff game, they're they're on a on a eight two run. The game's really in the balance in the middle of the second quarter. Is this guy going to make the right decision to stop that eight two run, or is he going to make the decision that turns that into a twelve? 12 to 20 to 20 to five that turns that turns a game in the second or third quarter when you know you watch these playoff I mean magic magic fans haven't watched real playoff games here in about a decade you watch these playoff games they turn on little moments in the second and third quarter even the, like even the magic uh like back in 2020 uh game I think it was game four against Milwaukee Orlando's in that game Nikola Vucevic goes to the bench for a rest at the beginning of the fourth quarter Milwaukee burns off 10 points. The game is over at that point. Like it, like those are the moments that determine whether you win or lose playoff games. You know, go back to, you know, a couple, a uh, couple nights ago. Um, we're, this is airing Friday. We're recording on Thursday. So uh, back to Wednesday night, Boston comes out of the locker room. They blow that game. They blow that game open in five minutes and the game is, and the game is over. I mean, those, those are the moments that matter. And like, I know, I know people who listen to me may hate, hate me saying this and repeating this ad nauseum, the last two minutes of a game aren't really that special. <laughs> they, they are because there's pressure in them because time is running out. But good teams don't play close games. They avoid them. So it's the second, those third, those, you know, Steve Clifford talked about it a lot. This is the first quarter league. You win the first, the odds are you're going you're gonna to win the game. If you're playing from ahead, you have a better chance of winning the game. It's those moments and keeping your focus and your attention to detail throughout the whole course of the game, especially in these high-pressure games. And again, 
the Magic are far away from the playoffs, so they shouldn't be thinking wholly about this, but you want to be building a team that's going to be playoff ready eventually. That's the, you know, I, I would say that the Magic's goal for 2023 is to start shaping this roster into what it's going to become when they're ready to compete. And, and honestly, they should be thinking, you know, if we're not competing for the play in tournament in 2023, 2024 is playing tournament time. 2024 is the buck stops here. Let's figure out what we really have. Um, you shouldn't be playing the lottery again, again, for sure. Um, it's time to start thinking like, okay, what's going to actually help us win games and winning meaningful games later in the season. And, and, and to your point, if Paolo Bancaro, if you can't trust Paolo Bancaro to make good decisions at those little moments and only show up for the big moments, you don't really have a player because those little moments are the game. The, the devil is really in the detail. And, you know, you're, you're wearing their Dallas shirt. You know that better than anyone with how, with how the Mavericks have been able to advance in this, in this, this postseason. Yeah. And, you know, kind of just piggybacking off what you said, where the little things matter so much. I mean, there's a reason Steph Curry and his unanimous MVP, you're, how many fourth quarters did he actually play? It's because of those great teams, you know, they blew the doors open. So, yeah, you want somebody who's going to turn it from a tie game to a 10-point game in your favor, not, you know, not having to turn it, like, from a battle at halftime yeah. to a battle at the end. So that, yeah. that's very well said. take a quick break here once again to thank you for making Locked On Magic your first listen every day. Now go make your second listen, Locked On NBA with the Golden State Warriors now heading to the NBA Finals. Get complete recap and coverage of the NBA Finals, the final series uh, as we get to the very end of the NBA season. Locked On NBA podcast has you covered with Locked On experts taking you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. Make Locked On NBA part of your normal rotation whenever you can. And of course, have it saved for those finals, finals games when the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics series ends, obviously, to get ready for the NBA Finals. And, of course, start looking ahead to the final series, which starts on Thursday. Plus, don't forget, we will be doing the Locked On NBA, dra- NBA Draft uh, mock draft. All the Locked On hosts will get together. We're going to do a mock draft. We will do trades. I'm planning to be very active. It's going to be a fun experiment, so definitely take a listen there. Check it out again, the Locked On NBA podcast. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. But while we still have you here, obviously, you know, there's a long way to go. We'll 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 dive deeper into into these top prospects. But um, 
you have the big you have the big board. You know this draft class a lot better than I do. I'm still kind of learning so, learning some of the players. And while it's fun to look at the guys on the top, um, the Magic obviously have the 32nd and 35th pick. Um, I think there's a very real chance, or if I'm the Magic, I'm trying to uh, trade Terrence Ross along with one of those picks or package those two picks to try and move back up into the first round. Who um, maybe late in the first round or, or is projected to go late in the first round or in that 32 to 35 spot? Um, who are some, who, who's maybe a player the Magic should be thinking about and targeting that would fit what direction this team is trying to go? Is, is, there, is there someone that, that stuck out from the combine or stuck out that sticks out to you as, as this guy feels like a, a Magic type player? Yeah, first I thought you were going to say, is there a team they could trade with? And I was like, well, I know one. I, I, I got them on my list. I got them on my list. I, I think I, I think just before I answered the question about the players, just a very quick side, side tangent. The Mavs probably don't want a guaranteed contract. Uh, they also probably would benefit from two second rounders more than one first rounder. And also, I just, yeah, I just don't see them sticking with that spot. I think they're in a weird situation. And I think Orlando is in the opposite. They don't. I mean, this front office doesn't use second round picks. So uh, I think at least this time they'll use it to get another first. <laughs> right. And and you know what? It's better than what they did in 2017, where they just said goodbye. And that was out to like the 25th pick. But some names I really like, I'm, I'm going to almost disregard position here, but I'm going to try not to choose guards because just going off the assumption that it is Jabari Smith, even if it's Chet, I don't think it really matters that much. You can still t- take a power forward or a center with the uh, with one of them. Just because, like, I mean, just based on the current roster, if you dump Mo Bamba and Robin Lopez, say both of them don't come back, you still you don't have center. a great center. What? Yeah, to, to me, the What's biggest that? need for the Magic and free agencies find a backup center. So I, I think the Magic exactly. is in the market for a center. Yeah, exactly. So I would say starting with, let's start there. Jalen Williams from Arkansas, not the one from Santa Clara. They're wildly confusing, but he's a jack <laughs> of all a trades. second Jalen Williams spelled that way too, as I found out as I was making my mock draft today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's there's a lot of Williams in this class. So be careful about just throwing that last name out there. You will confuse everybody. I like Jalen Williams though. I think he can do just about everything on the court. He struggles a little bit to defend shooters. That's his biggest shortcoming. And it's not a glaring weakness. Next one I like is Jake Laravia, kind of just going down in size. He's a power forward, hybrid forward, who can really create his own shot and hold his own. And I know he loves basketball. Uh, there was a really good interview uh, about him on Locked On Blazers I listened to. He just loves the game. He's a student of the game, hard work ethic, heel stick. Two others I really like, just going down, another teammate of Paolo Boncaro, Wendell Moore out of Duke. He is also kind of jack of all trades. He's a shoot, pass, defend. Not much of a slasher, but you could probably put him in in a very, very light version of this, although it's not quite the same, but put him in the same role Fournier had. And then lastly, this is a pure swing for the fences, Bryce McGowan's. The kid is so raw, but he's probably a top 15 talent in the class. Just he's, again, really raw and inefficient right now. Yeah, it feels like, you know, that's kind of the the the, the thing about the guards in this year's draft is there's not a lot of guys who are, um, great shooters, um, but some good scores, some guys who can get in the lane a little bit, some good size, um, but just not a lot of great shooting. And obviously that's, that's kind of an obsession for the magic and, and, and an obsession for fans that, that, you know, obviously want to see the magic kind of improve their shooting. Um, I actually do want to ask you a little bit about Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. Um, he's someone that I do have on my radar. Um, yes, he measured as one of the longest wingspans among guards at the NBA draft combine. Uh, we do, we, we did go down that list. Um, the, the Santa Clara Jalen Williams, 
Um, tell, tell me a little bit about him. Is he someone that, you know, would fit what the Magic are trying to do? I, I know he had a really impressive combine. He had a really good breakout season uh, for Santa Clara last year. Um, decent shooting numbers, good attacking the basket, you know, was inefficient against Gonzaga, but still put up some, some good scoring numbers. Is he, is he someone that's kind of climbed out of that range for Orlando or it, 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 what, what's his, what's his deal, I guess? Yeah, he's going top 20. He killed okay. the combine. So that's, that's unfortunate, but they could still move up. I mean, it's not like the magic don't have the pieces to do it. So with Jalen Williams, you're getting a very slick ball handler, incredibly deceptive, can manipulate defenses so well. He's the only defend, only ball handler, excuse me, I saw manipulate Chet Holmgren into not knowing what to do next. He's the only player in the country that could do that. That is an incredibly difficult thing to do. Can also defend a bit, shoot, pass, score. I mean, he's really comfortable with both hands. I, when I first watched him, I didn't even know which hand he, he shot with because he kept going left, going right at the rim. And when that's the case, that's a super strong case for, I don't want to say stardom, but like if you're trying to find the one player who's going to be a second round pick that stay, or excuse me, top non-lottery top 20 pick that sticks as a star, it's him. Yeah. Um, before, before you sign off, you know, the, obviously I think Dyson Daniels has kind of played his way into lottery consideration, but uh, tell me a little bit about Jaden Hardy and Marjan Bochamp, the guys from the G League Ignite. Obviously not the same type of season for the G League Ignite as it was last year in terms of prospects. It felt like all three of the main guys that that went to the G League Ignite team this year really disappointed, you know, didn't quite take to it um, in the same way that, that Jalen Green and, and even to some extent Jonathan Kuminga did last year. Are those the kind of talents that a team like Orlando could take a chance with if they keep the 30, if they keep their second round pick? What's going to happen to them as, as we get deeper into this draft process? Yeah, I, I just have a hard time seeing Jaden Hardy um, really climbing boards. I mean, it took Cam Thomas a while to get drafted last year, and they're very similar players. Cam Thomas is a lot better at what he did than Jaden Hardy. I think something that's lost, because a lot of people, I mean, Cam Thomas was good as a rookie, by the way, which I think a lot of people were surprised about. There's differences. Cam Thomas didn't turn the ball over despite always having the ball. He created separation, better shot. Jaden Hardy, yeah, he can put the ball in the basket, but he is going to take 20 shots to get 21 points. So I, I just don't know if I buy the efficiency. Loves taking long shots, can make them. He's grow, he grew as a passer, technically a three-level score. Again, inefficient, undersized, like not great size, I should say, scoring guards. It's tough. I, I just I'm not willing to buy his, his stuff. So eventually, one of those clutch guys also has to be a bust, and he, yeah. he's I think a prime candidate for it. Marjon Bochamp, though, he's he's nice. He's a slasher, passer, defender. So I think his mold is a lot more translatable to the NBA. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously, there's there's a lot of a lot of guys to get through and a lot still to dive into. Orlando does have the first pick. It makes some of that part some of that process a little bit easier for easier for us as fans to, to dive in. Um, so we appreciate you giving us um, a, a closer look at these three prospects and, and and into kind of the finer details of how the Magic are going to kind of pick pick through these guys and, and figure out who they're going to who they're going to take. It's obviously still a long way to go. We still have a lot to, you know, the Magic as an organization still have a lot to learn about these guys. Um, Richard, uh, tell everyone where they can find you if they want more draft info and, and want to keep d digging into this class. Yeah, at Mavs Draft on Twitter is the hub. I try and post clips or scouting reports once a day, uh, which there's only, only like 30 days left till the draft, 29, something like that. Oh God, that's cool. So it's cool. actually, it's it sounds a lot bigger. 
Yeah, it sounds like I'm doing a lot more now than I actually am. But I've been pretty much, if you search my name, Mavs Draft, and then last name of a player, you can find something that I posted. Um, but more importantly, I mean, we're doing, I think the most in-depth com- content we're doing right now is Locked On NBA Big Board. We transitioned from Locked On NBA Draft like a month ago, and it's been taking off. It, it's incredible. Rafael Barlow, I, I mean, that dude should be working with Draft Express. Like, he should be on ESPN. I don't know how we are so lucky to have him, but... Every episode with him, you just learn something different. There's tons of intel, lots of content. Done to look forward to him every single day. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not listening to Locked On NBA Big Board every day at this point, you are doing something wrong. Uh, even even as Magic fans, especially um, understanding how big this draft is going to play for Orlando, I think it's going to be a super active night for Orlando beyond the top pick. I think they will be, uh, you know, obviously, I think this is going to be a heavy trade off season for the league. So I think we will see a lot of activity on draft night and the potential for a lot of picks to get moved. Um, And the magic, I think will be right in the middle of it as a team with cap room, able to absorb some contracts, able to looking to make moves to try and maybe push this, this franchise forward a little bit, a little bit more. Um, Richard, I want to thank you again for, for coming on the show. Uh, You're always welcome. Anytime, of course, anytime, of course, we'll definitely uh, swing back around and talk to you again soon. Hopefully uh, next year, we won't be talking about the top picks. We'll be talking about some of those guys in the twenties. Um, you know, and of course, at this time of year, we'll be we'll be planning for Mavericks Magic Finals as 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 we do every year. Um, Richard, I want to thank you again for joining the show. You can also follow me on Twitter at Philip R underscore MD. Follow the podcast uh, on Twitter at Locked On Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all the places to download podcasts to your podcast enabled listening device. For the latest on the Orlando Magic, check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can find us on Twitter there at OMagicDaily. That's going to do it for us. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, we'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.